most adventure-filled uh, Vespa ride ah! all, all across Akron because I was like, as long as I'm out the door by 10 after three, I'll be to Paulette's church on time. <laughs> you know, so the, the whole time over here, I'm like doing energy work. I'm like uh, creating resonant energy balloons to make every light and all this stuff. And it, it, it totally worked. You did it. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, pra practicing what I preach, I think. So I used to have a Vespa. Oh, nice. Of course you did. An, an old one. like a one It was a 125. Oh, my God. I bet you looked cool as hell on that thing. And his name was Elvis. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then I bought a Harley. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, now you drive a Harley? I did. I did. I went from a Vespa to a Harley. Oh my God, you are the coolest. I, I think it's like long overdue that we connect. It's, uh, it's I know, I know. It, intermittent through, through everything. And uh, I'm just so glad you're here. Yeah, gosh, I, I wouldn't miss it. And uh, thanks, for ha thanks for asking me. And yeah, so um, I will just start unless you have any questions. Um, no, I, um, I will leave it up to your very capable hands and... Um, <laughs> We're just going to have a good, fun conversation. Yep. And anything can be edited. It's not live. So if my dog barks or, you know. <laughs> I'm not worried. And remind me, are you still doing these as videos or are they audio or? Blah, 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 blah? Video, video and audio. Okay, cool. So I'm like. So we can see your beautiful face. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Heart and Hustle, Visionary Healers, Movers, and Shakers. And I am your hostess, your passion instigator, your movement motivator, <laughs> your magic maker, Paulette Reese-Tony. I am so excited to bring you yet another beautiful magic maker who I've known virtually for, gosh, I don't know, five years perhaps? In internet years, who knows how yeah, long Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, we've never met in person, but we've had beautiful little short, short meetings through the internet. So Christopher Carter is here with me today. Christopher KC. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thanks for Welcome. having me. I've, I've, I've wanted to connect with you for quite some time. I love all the work that you do. And from the second I realized that you were a belly dancer, I was like, I was all in. And I was like, yes. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And I am definitely a multi-passionate and as are you. Yes. And I love the work that you bring to the world. And I'm so glad that I get to share you with all our people out in heart and hustle land. And, mm. you know, I could read your bio, but I really love you to tell us all about you. All about you in, you know. Short, well, short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is always good practice. What what do I do? Um, how would my kids describe what I do? Oh, um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I guess I could start with I'm an Enneagram Seven. So I am multifaceted, and I am kind of textbook seven in that way. Uh, I started out as a professional musician as a kid. I toured in a ska band as a bass player. Played about 250 to 300 shows a year. And as I was starting to um, grow my family, got married and um, started having kids. I have three kids. I've been married for 20 years. I started um, getting yeah. really deeply into personal development, which led to spiritual development. And um, that led to my current career. I've been out on my own now for five years. I uh, left corporate America about five years ago. 
and I'm a coach for founders and executives and a meditation teacher for organizations. So I've figured out a way somehow against all odds to get paid to be me. Love it. <laughs> and, uh, yes, that's what we're think, talking about here. <laughs> and, I, and I think that most people that uh, hire me um, or, or, or work with me or who are drawn to my work, which is This Epic Life is my company, This Epic Life, um, they're trying to answer some sort of that, some version of that question. How do I get paid to be me? How do I fully express? And I'd say my current work is focused around what I call these four permissions, the permission to chill, which is basically meditate, permission to feel all the feels, which is to listen in, to the intuitive guidance of your body and your emotions, and permission to glow in the dark. And that's why oh. I'm probably hired the most is full self-expression. Um, <laughs> that's so great. Illumination, illumination. Yeah, illumination, and that, that's actually the fourth permission, which is almost so powerful, it's like hard for me to say, which is permission to glow in the light. And permission wow. to glow in the light is uh, kind of collectives of people who have done that earlier work of full self-expression. I feel like the planet is asking us to come together and to heal the planet. And the only way to do that is, is through some version of these permissions. So that's permission to glow in the light. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, does that sum up what I do? I, I don't I know. I think that how. sums it up a lot. So what would your kids say? Uh, you know, uh, dad, well, when I test them, I say, uh, They'll, they'll say, Daddy, what's your job? And I'll say, being awesome is my job. And because if I'm not, if I'm not, my clients won't stick with me usually. Um, but um, I, I'd say they, they'd say I'm a coach. I've been focusing on deepening my coaching practice over the last three years. So more often than not, I'm talking to clients about coaching. Nice. Nice. So what prompted you to leave the corporate world? You know, it's, um, I mean... I was launched out of it, which was the ideal situation because I got the severance package. If I would have left when I wanted to leave, you know, like we all have that dream of, you know, screw you guys, I'm going home and I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> and um, I, I was fortunate that our company downsized while I was on this paid sabbatical. So I was on this five week trip to San Diego with my family and I came home to realize the company had eliminated 30 jobs and one of them was mine. That was the, the gift. And um, it came at an auspicious time because I had just um, decided to purchase and renovate our dream home. So I had this <laughs> giant house to pay for and no right. job to pay for it. So it was kind of like that, that perfect test of figure it out, kid, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a real defining moment. And I worked with, I can't tell you how many of my mentors, coaches, spiritual teachers, just to get through that year to, to really reconcile all of it. But all of them told me that on the other side of it, it would be the dream career with the dream house. It was just the order that I got it in was holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> you got the dream house first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, oh, here's the keys to this. Like, here's the big giant job to pay for it. And then here's the keys or keys to the house. And, uh, you know, I think God tests us in interesting ways. And, mm. and that's, that's how I was launched. Sweet. Wow. Well, and look at what you've done since then. Thanks. So much. So, you know, so much of my connection with you has been through meditation and your meditation teachings. And I recommend you to all my people. <laughs> I wrote about you in my new book. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that. I can't wait to get my hands on it. From soulless job to creative abundance, right? Mm. How we all step into the world. That's what we're all looking for, I think. To find that creative abundance, and and you really you really focused, um, at least early on in with meditation, right? Yes, 
Yeah, you know, it's the, uh, do you know your Enneagram number, Paulette? I don't. Okay, I have a hypothesis. I'm not, you're not supposed to type other people, so I don't want to deprive you of your journey to figure that number out. But Enneagram is interesting because uh, a seven, our, our vice is gluttony. Like if, if some is good, more is better. Mm. So I danced with that when I was still drinking, when mm -hmm. I was an unhappy salesperson. And um, meditation seemed to be the answer to that, which is sobriety, you know, separate from sober from booze. It was, how do you be with what is? Mm. And I got onto that meditation journey about 14 years ago now. Um, I started meditating about 15 minutes a day, and then it just evolved over time. And eventually I found the teachings of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, who's the author of Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm -hmm. You've heard of this book, it was written yeah. in 1946. Okay. And, and the more I got into that path, um, you know, I, I was one of those people that had so much energy, I couldn't sit still for five minutes, let alone eight hours or <laughs> Right, right. Not you know, we, <laughs> we, have, we have so much to give, you know, we like wiggling, we'd much rather be dancing. And, um, but stillness for the mind has been the gateway to everything for me. Um, and it's one of those things, the more I do it, the more I crave it. So, so yeah. now my, my practice is about 60 to 90 minutes a morning. And it's by no means a quantity game. It's about if you can meditate for five minutes every day, you're doing better than most, you know? Uh, but that, that kind of started my teachings around it because I wanted to pay forward that gift. So anything that I, I did around meditation, outside of company, corporate work, which I, which I described earlier, um, I give that all away because I just want people to, especially in a year like the one we're having, it's never been more important to create a meditation practice. And it's why, why I can't stop preaching it. It's, it's, it's like the only antidote for whatever the hell this is that's going on right now. Because <laughs> the world's a little, woo, yeah. so we've got to slow ourselves down. Wow, that's so great. And are you still doing meditation challenges? Are you doing yeah, online you know, classes? I, and I am. I took a little bit of time off of the challenges. Uh, I'm due for one here soon because um, I wrote a book this summer. You know, like you, I just had to clock in and get that work yeah. done. And something had to give. So I, I focused on coaching and writing all summer. <clears throat> and the meditation challenge, I made it evergreen on my site so people could do it whenever oh, they want. Okay. It's, oh, awesome. Yeah. It's 30 days of emails. It's thisepiclife.com slash the number 30. Do it, and people. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's helped thir like thousands of people at this point yeah. create a habit. And one of my happiest days on the internet, I mean, Facebook can be soul-sucking, soul, soul, soul but um, the days where people post like, KC, I'm 1,500 days straight or a thousand days straight or 500 days straight or 30 days straight of meditating, it always blows my mind. And that whole program was created to challenge and kind of play with people into this notion of creating a daily habit. And, and that's where I think my, my site kind of found its footing and found its audience was that there's not many people who, who try to make that process fun. It's like, we all get this idea of like, oh, we should be meditating every day. And it becomes like a heavy should kind of energy. And I just want to make it more of a game right yeah no shoulds no shoulds. yeah it's just it's just not a good look you know it's i mean there's better ways to do this well and it's it's really finding i mean finding out the why not the mm -hmm. should but the why you know what why do you want to do this what what's the the result what's the purpose and it's it's that deeper connection right it's that connection right. with self and soul and god and source and universe or whatever that is for you yeah we lose we lose in this crazy chaotic time, especially now, right? COVID and 
what, yeah. what you're saying. Well, I mean, during an election year in the United States, I mean, that in itself is crazy making. But yeah. then when you add in a pandemic and, and everything else and, and these wildfires and climate change, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> a scary time. The, the military calls it VUCA, um, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Mm. And I think that's what meditation helps us solve for, at least in this modern context. At first, we're just trying to quiet that noise and hear that inner voice, as you said. But oh, after, after a while, it does become about aligning us with God and with divinity. So you call, call that force whatever you want to. And um, you know, that's the path of yoga that I've been studying is you just well, union. And, and I think you just brought up the word divinity. It's like we, so many people don't honor themselves. They don't honor themselves as being divine. Right. And I think, you know, that's what I teach my clients so much is you got to get into the self-care and the self-compassion and the self-love and really honor yourself. And then using the tools of meditation, I, I have a thing, what I call um, meditate, percolate and dance break. Oh my God. That's the morning practice, you know, and yeah. um, I love that. I, I love that idea of percolating, but, um, but, but so, you know, honoring yourself and giving yourself that time and people are like, Oh, I don't have time. Well, I mean, that's, that's like the foundational fallacy of, yeah, right. of, of life in the West or life in America specifically. And I mean, Yogananda was working on this a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, next week, he arrived in Boston and it was his destiny to bring this ancient yogic science to the West because the West needed it. We're like caffeinated and jacked up on everything. We, we can't slow down. And the, the fallacy is, it's like, I, I love, I love what you said about loving yourself as if you're already divine to acknowledge that divinity within you that's why we say namaste at the end of yoga practice i mean mm -hmm. the um we need to love ourselves the same way god and our guru or our teachers love us and the the, the first way to do that is to say okay for five minutes a day i'm just going to sit and be still mm -hmm. and give myself this gift you know and some some people will say well i'm you know i'm celebrating each night i give myself that glass of wine or that that gigantic coffee and all that. I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad, but it doesn't have the same desired effect as a little bit more peace and calm and self-love. And when you have that peace and calm, then you can go out and, and celebrate however you want, you know, yeah. where your, your choices are to celebrate, but honoring yourself and celebrating yourself. I think it's super important to acknowledge that too. Um, because we we just don't give ourselves credit, and then that comes into the gratitude practice. Mm. Oh man, gratitude practice is right. It's all about. I mean, it's it's basically telling the universe and God more, please. Yeah. You know. So I uh, I was doing focus wheels this morning. It's an Abraham Hicks process. Oh, I, I love Abraham. <laughs> love, love Abraham. Yeah, my mom got me into it at a very young age, and uh, but yeah, those focus wheels are about. Um, you know, so like I, I, I cycled down my business a little bit this summer to allow room for the book. And now that the kids are back to school a little bit, I can go ramp back up. And as I do that, I always start with that kind of energy work. And that energy work starts with gratitude, just being grateful for all the clients I'm already serving this summer and for all the gifts their work has provided me. And in doing so, you know, three new leads came in today for, you know, so it's, I know that's directly tied to the gratitude because when we forget what we're grateful for, the universe is like, oh, you must be okay. You know, like you must be, <laughs> you're fine. I'll forget about you right now. But it, 
<laughs> if you're sitting there savoring it, like, oh my God, I get to do this, you know? Uh, the universe is like, oh my God, more of that? Sure, you know, more people need served, you know? Yeah. So yeah, gratitude is huge. So what, okay, so as you've developed for the last five years, anyway, the business aspect, uh, several different components. Oh, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> oh, no, let's do them. But, but what's, been, what's been hard? What's been like the hustle or the, you know, what have you had to break through to become more successful or make more money or? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. And I'm happy to share this because like this work continues every single day. Um, I'd say early on, it was reconciling my previous career with my new career. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, I came from being a quote unquote, dirty salesperson. That was my story. I, I mean, I sold advertising and, and I was pretty good at it. And it was a great company to work for, but I always thought selling was like pushing people or manipulating people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it paid well, but it was not my soul's work. So then when I got the opportunity to do my soul's work, it was like, oh, this is sacred special work. So maybe I should just attract all the right people without having to sell them. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's kind of a fallacy. And that's bad because I believe in the law of accumulation. So, so my hard work to answer your question has been to reconcile those things and to engage that law of accumulation, which says I am the product of everything I've lived. And how mm. do I use those sales skills in an authentic way to sell people the medicine they need, you know? Yeah. And um, so that was really key in building my business from like the first threshold of just finding client number one to that six, you know, six figure mark or whatever my first goal was. Mm -hmm. And I'd say lately the last year and a half has been rec It's like a bigger version of that first problem, which is to reconcile my spirituality with my humanity, yeah. um, which is, you know, human beings, we are squirrely and self-sabotaging and um, <laughs> dramatic pains in the ass sometimes. <laughs> Present company totally included. You know? Okay, you're squirrely, are you? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, ask my wife, ask my coach. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but um, but I, I realized that the whatever level of success I achieve and, and the milestones are like when your business breaks through to a new level or where you get, you know, like a big contract, I'm, I'm getting ready to sign um, a, an 18 month contract with Amazon as, as a coach. And wow. Right. And it, it's like something I don't take for granted, you know, I'd like I'm, I'm kind of forest gumping my way through this, you know? So it's like, but, but that's the breakthrough. Yeah. The breakdown was in this like holding my humanity separate from my spirituality. So I was like doing all this spiritual practice and judging myself as like, oh, you're an unorganized businessman. You don't know what you're doing. You're a first time entrepreneur. Like you suck at this. Like that's what human beings do, right? But there's a beauty in staying in the spiritual practice and keeping one foot grounded in the real world because like these these bodies, these businesses, they're all vessels for that spirituality to express. And when I'm able to kind of be with both of those together, mm -hmm. um, that's when the cool stuff happens. That's when people say, you know, like I'm an executive coach, but technically I'm a spiritual life coach. I don't call, I don't care what you call me. Um, but that's how I'm able to work with those bigger companies. And I, I use executive coaching as like a Trojan horse to get myself. Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Uh, does that answer your question? But I, I grapple with it all the time. Like when I'm breaking down and, and things are messy or I'm just resisting everything, it's some version of that judging my humanity or like how it should be going spiritually. And it becomes this unattainable 
thing, but where, if I use that to power my humanity, it's, it tends to work a lot better. <laughs> well, and I love what you were talking about selling, and I like to think of it as heart selling. Oh, yeah. Because you do have to sell yourself, if you mm -hmm. want to use the word sell. Um, I mean, you can't give yourself all the time. You have to acquire <laughs> acquire monetary <laughs> uh, payoffs there. But um, I mean, at least I do. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I have a family of five, and yeah. you know, bills and and it's um, yeah. So, uh, did you say heart selling or heart selling heart? Right, heart selling. But but you do that because you do. Um, combine your humanity with your spirituality. And, and what I like to say is I mix the practical with the woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it is, while it is part of who you are, it makes you and what you offer, you know, your unique, you know, super, superpower. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the more you do it, the more your clients thank you and the more they refer you to others like, Oh, you need this person. You know, because they're not looking for a tactical business coach. They're looking for somebody with some more soul or more, you know, wisdom and some level. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's a tricky game. I mean, it's still like in, in this era right now of just massive uncertainty. We see, you know, the economy shifting and companies contracting and growing and whatever. I mean, it's very chaotic. And it's easy to get on that story of even if you take a few weeks off or months off, like I did to just focus on a book, um, it's easy to get caught up in those stories of, Oh my gosh, maybe nobody's hiring a coach. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's people need more support than ever before. And thank God that God in the universe and my career has prepared us to do this kind of work because people tend to need more of this kind of thing right now. So it doesn't, it typically doesn't require a lot of selling on that. People tend to either just get it. And if they don't get it, that's totally fine. They're just not ready for you yet. Right. They, and, and I mean, obviously what I do isn't for everybody, but I find the right people. What you call it your perfect customer, your ideal customer avatar, you know, your ICA. Yeah. I have my avatars. Uh, they're, they're people I've worked with recently or came to my last retreat in Costa Rica. Um, my ideal clients are, there's a picture of them that hang right here on my dry erase board. And so if I'm writing my book or writing my marketing copy or whatever, I'm looking at them because I'm you like, what do they right to them. Oh, yeah, that's, what, that's a great idea. Yeah. Like what do they need to hear? You know, because um, if I was able to get through to them already, I just want more people like them because they've been an absolute joy to work with and they pay their bills on time. Mm. I love that you did a retreat in Costa Rica. I was supposed to have one in July. Oh yeah. You know, I would, I would kill to have you at one of my retreats at some point. You'd be so much fun. <gasps> I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm let's there. That <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's kind of surreal because it happened. If it would have, if mine would have been scheduled one week later, it wouldn't have happened because of COVID. Sure. So we, we squeezed it in right, right under the wire. And I was really blessed that it, it went off without a hitch because I could have been handing out tons of refunds and, you know, um, in a financial hole over it. But, um, but yeah, I've been going to Costa Rica for the last five or six years. Really? Uh, first as part of Jonathan Field's The Good Life Project, which was- Oh, great. yes. So I got to teach meditation with them and, and kind of step out as a teacher and then doing my own. It was always my dream to go back to Costa Rica with this epic life. And that's what we did in, in uh, February. So how did you come up with this epic life? It, it's kind of a play on my uh, seven 
nature, which is like, I'm either like off or way in, you know, like there's okay. no toggle between like zero and a hundred. And my grandfather was the same way. And he was a very, just an epic type guy. So he, he formed the, the Long Island Nautical Heritage Society. And to do this back in the seventies, he chartered these pirate ships and brought them into the bay. Wow. And, and one of them was used as Jack Sparrow's boat in Pirates of the Caribbean. And this big boat called the Unicorn and my, my grandfather let me steer it, you know, as, a, as like a toddler. So my arms barely reached around. <laughs> Talk about like epic moments of childhood. And um, so I wanted to give my, uh, my family that lens. I wanted to give my clients that lens and just find the epic in the, in the ordinary. And um, yeah, so that's been the exploration of this epic life. Wow. I love it. I love it. So I want to know about your book. Oh, thank you. It's kind of <laughs> ever developing every day. Um, it's called Permission to Glow. Okay, so this is one of your permissions. permissions. Yeah, and it's about all four of the permissions. It's called uh, Permission to Glow, the Audacity to Lead in Wild Times. Hmm. And it's a leadership book that's more more follows more closely to something like the four agreements, like something with some like pithy, deep wisdom than a tactical business book. Um, and it's, like I said, it's written to the leaders, uh, the organizational leaders that I coach and it's how to unlock and empower each of those permissions. The permission, I start in reverse order because most people want to just glow in the dark. We want to skip those steps. So we, we talk early on about what it means to glow in the dark, especially during this time of darkness and uncertainty. And then it gets into unlocking the, the previous permissions, which make that possible, permission to chill, permission to feel all the feels, and then it finishes with permission to glow in the light. So just exploring how this has shown up in my life and how it's not theory, but it's testimony. And so, I want to ask you about the four permissions, but just a, yeah. a little bit more about your book. So are you, are you self-publishing? Are you under contract? Yeah. So right this week, I'm finalizing my publishing partner and it's a little bit of both. It's kind of a hybrid approach. Um, the reason I went more of the self-publishing route is because I didn't want to take an extra year and a half just to shop publishers and do proposals. Like I had a lot of urgency and like a lot of time relevancy to getting it out sooner than later mm -hmm. uh, so I just sat down and wrote it and um, you know it's still you know rewrites and edits and you know there's still some time to come uh, I'm not launching it until mid mid next year so uh, right now it's getting on um, a timeline with this this company up in Toronto who's they, they've produced some of the books they're called page two Page Two Books has produced some of my favorite books, uh, most notably The Coaching Habit, which is by this guy, Michael Bungay Stanier. Um, he, he should be a role model for all of us. This dude self-published this book and has sold 850,000 copies of it. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, but it shows like how important a beautiful product is. You know, it's something that's easy to read and a joy to read. Mm. He's also a marketing machine. Um, so I, I wanted a company that could help keep me, you know, on task with all the development and uh, turning it into a great product. Good, good. Wow. So, so not till next year. Yep. And um, I'm going to make uh, sooner than later, like right now, people could go on my site and get the manifesto. The manifesto is this beautiful little one sheet of the four permissions. Uh, that was kind of like my inspiration to expound on each of them. And I, I can't tell you, maybe a hundred drafts went into those, that one sheet. Um, but um, 
soon we're going to release a chapter as like a list builder to build interest in the book. So yeah. I, I'm so excited just to have it out there. I want to just publish it as is, but I know that um, the Virgo in me would be like nitpicking everything. So, so yeah, I got to be patient and do a proper launch. And see, and I, I just kicked ass when I did this book. I mean, I bet, you know, it's been in the works for years, sure. but, and it changed dramatically when I, I sat down and I wrote it in 90 days. Yeah, it's amazing. And it doesn't even seem, yeah, I think it was 90 days. Wrote then, it? You mean, you mean you channeled it or it wrote you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I would say like, okay, I'm going to, I had a great writing coach yeah. and writing team, uh, but I did self-publish it when I had my own publishing company. So this is my fourth book. That's so great. Um, and I just, I just wrote it and I just, uh, that was it, you know, and it was going to be, it was going to, going to come out. When did it come out? March, April, April as a PDF mm -hmm. or as a e uh, ebook. Right. And then it just came out as hard copy. So instead of doing all of them at once, yep. I'm having three launches. Oh, that's cool. So the next will be the audiobook. Yeah. Which I'm really excited about. I want to oh, read my book. <laughs> oh, oh, so you still got to record it, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah That'll yeah. be later. But yeah. it's just interesting because the publishing world is so different now. Yeah, I've had to learn more about publishing than I ever cared to know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, there's, um, I I'm really lucky to be surrounded by some of my favorite authors or, or some of my friends now. Uh, Susan Piver, who's a great meditation teacher. She has Open Heart mm -hmm. Project. She's a Buddhist. Um, Jen Loudon, who who literally, oh, I love Jen. Yeah, Jen, yeah. you and her have very similar energy. She actually coined the term self care. Like she, that was that's Jen Loudon back in the '90s or something on Oprah. I mean, she's done. She's had a whole like big writing career with big publishers, and she released a great book this year called Why Bother. And yeah, right. I and, she was on my show. Oh, awesome! Yeah, like her yeah. book. Is, her book is outstanding. She was on, on my podcast as well. Okay. And in, in talking to these authors about why they've gone from big publishing houses to self-publishing, it comes down to just autonomy and expediency, you know, to be able to get your vision out sooner. Um, either way, you have to own all the marketing. You still have to sell all the books yourselves, even exactly. on like a big publisher. So, um, so yeah, I'm just kind of working with my coaches now on what a great launch looks like and, and just trying to stay in love with the process of it. Cause it can be hard, you know, it's uh, it forces you to confront all your stuff. And um, I'm just trying to enjoy that creative journey and put out something I'm proud of. And, and did you enjoy the writing? I did. Yeah. Like there's many, many mornings where I'm up. I mean, not every morning. It's like meditation, you know, some more, some mornings just absolutely suck. There's no way to do it. You know, <laughs> like, have I been doing this for 12 or 13 years or not? But then other days are just a total gift and you're just like giddily laughing at your keyboard in the dark at 530 in the morning. And, uh -huh, yep. and I, ha I had a lot of those mornings in, in the summer and I'm, I'm super grateful for it. So, you know, s somewhere in that, as I go back to edit it with my part, with my team, I know I'll find those moments and just kind of keep polishing towards those. And it's, it's, it's a process, you know. Oh, I'm so glad you got to have that experience. I mean, just yeah. the experience itself you know, and to keep it a joyful experience. And, and I love that you're talking to your people up on your wall. I think that is so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm a big fan of visual reminders. I have a huge dry erase board here in my office that has all these just inspiring things all over it. And, um, you know, like writing a book is, I, I came from writing songs, you know, so writing songs yeah. can be really 
um, time consuming and painful. Like, so there's writers like Leonard Cohen or Paul Simon who are more craftsmen. They could wrestle a song over a number of years into form, right? And then there's other songwriters that just the first take is the right take, you know? Um, so I'm trying to, through my spiritual practice, be more on that other side of just allowing, like what you did with your book, just allowing it to flow through you uh, versus trying to, you know, edit it at the same time, which is the painful part. Yeah. Yeah. Don't edit it while you're writing it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah. Um, and um, do you have a cover yet? Uh, you know, I have, let me grab this really quick. Okay. Sure. It's, it's worth showing to your peeps at home, but um, this is, this is not the cover, but the cover will include, I, I'm big into design. Design's mm. a big part of this epic life. And my, my design aesthetic is somewhere between like 80s pop culture <clears throat> and like 80s rock and roll. Okay. But uh, there's this coat of arms that's the four permissions. Which oh, that's your, your manifesto, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. this is the manifesto. Okay. But the, the, the cover will have some form of this symbology. Love it. Love and um, yeah, the designer's excited because like the, the mission for them is how do you make the cover glow? you know, and, and might, that might mean it has to actually glow, you know, um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, but, but the, the secret for me is, and this would be my recommend, recommendation to anybody writing a book is to spend time with the people who are going to read it because my, my clients that are, are into my work, I run all those ideas by them first. Like what would you, what would be a cover that would make you pick it up at an airport or, buy it so all that stuff is informing it i mean if it was what i wanted it would have been done forever ago but uh, i'm trying to be thoughtful about it being the right thing trust yourself yeah 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 i love it so music music so you know i play guitar you do yeah well yeah. you're a renaissance woman of course you where do. is it there's one of them right there well, I, mine sits next to me at all times all right right yeah. so so, but you, but you started out as a bass player, you said. Yeah, as I started out as a bass player and uh, you know, it's still like bass playing. Like that kind of, per, that kind of percussive world beat influence on my playing, that's all bass playing. I was, I played in a ska band and I'm, I'm a groove, groove oriented music was my first meditation. Now I'm into, Kirtan chants and that that kind of music that resonates with your soul and that's all very groove based stuff and uh, so yeah bass was really formative for me to be able to hold that down and to find the meditation in playing solid grooves. Sweet, my husband's a really really great bass player um, and we've played together all of our thirty nine years. Thirty nine. <laughs> amazing. So what kind of what kind of music? Uh, well, we've definitely gone through the genres. We started out as he was a famous punk rock bass player in San Francisco. And then we started kind of a dark gothy thing. I was the, the death queen. <laughs> Getting cooler by the second. Fade to black, fade to black. And then, of course, we got into the world music because of belly dancing. Yeah. And so I put out seven, I produced seven CDs of our own world music tribal based. Oh my gosh. So we wrote all that music. And um, uh, I, I played percussion. I played, I started out playing keys. Yep. So I played a little harmonium when I was doing some Kirtan and 
Oh yeah, I'm way into that at the moment. It's um, that's cool. I love it. And and uh, Krishna Das was a big influence on me. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty incredible. He started out. You know, you know, Krishna Das was at one point in the running to be the new lead singer of either Blue Oyster Cult. I think it was Blue Oyster Cult. He was like a rock guy. Well, and I knew then, he played rock, but I didn't know that. And he was, you know, into the drugs and kind of a mess and goes to India, finds his guru and comes back as Krishna yeah. freaking Das. Yeah. <laughs> you know, drawing tens of thousands to Kirtans, which is unheard of in America. Um, oh, that's really inspiring. Um, yeah, I love that you and your husband do it together. My, my daughter is in a band now that's, she's 16 and these kids have been all over the radio. So I've been helping them write songs and oh, produce some music. Uh, they won this big contest at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, earlier this year, best band in the land for the high schoolers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so oh. it's, it's, it's given me a way to like inject my music and my coaching into something because all the bands I was in growing up were all dysfunctional, you know, like, you know, <laughs> well, you know, there we, was that side of it too. Right. We sure. weren't married. We weren't married. Um, but, um, my, my kid is approaching it as a pro, which is kind of interesting to like mm. learn conflict and to learn creativity because it can be hard in a team of people. Yeah. Well, that's true. Finding the right people to co-create with is such a joy and a gift yeah. when you find those right people. So good. But so now we play old country. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I know. Like I said, we've gone through the genre. Mostly old country, like, you know, Johnny Cash, uh, yeah. Americana, and John Prine, Guy Clark. Oh, my gosh. I, like, John Prine, I can't believe we lost him recently. Oh, heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. And heartbreaker. amazing musicians to COVID. And um I, I recently just got turned on to my, my father-in-law was in a band here in Akron in the seventies. So he grew up with Chrissy Hind, the pretenders, sure. and Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo and his band, my father-in-law's band, Tim Huey kind of came up at the same time, but he, he turns me on to all sorts of weird stuff. And he, he just turned me on to, um, who's that new kind of old style country musician that wears the mask, uh, his, 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 uh, Oh man, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Oh, I don't know who that is. There's this, there's this guy who sounds like Johnny Cash, who only wears this mask while he's singing. He's doing duets with Shania Twain and everything else. He's a young guy, wears a mask and sings like Johnny Cash. I swear it's- Oh, I have to Google him. Original. I don't know who that is. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's something, Orville Peck, I believe is his name, Orville Peck. Huh. But uh, the other one that I got into when I lived in Los Angeles was Hank Three, Hank Williams. Oh, the I love him. Love him. Hank Three is, my, my wife worked for a PR firm that did Hank's PR. And this guy would come out and do Roots music the first set. Right. Keep the I've same influence, the, the lap steel, the string bass. Oh, and then so play good too. A so punk good. set, the second set, and everybody's moshing. It was one of the best nights of music ever. Yeah, speed metal. <laughs> he was like, speed, right, speed, speed metal. metal country, like double time picking yeah. and grinning with a lot yeah. of distortion. Oh, and he's so much like his grandfather. Oh, oh yeah, his, his voice cuts like a razor. It's yeah. Tight. Amazing. So amazing. Oh, we could talk music for a long time. Yeah, anyway. so other than that, other than that, we have nothing in common, Paulette. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> we got to do something together. I do think we got to do something together. I think that's a given. I can't wait to meet your husband. He sounds yeah. like a rad. Oh, he's he's awesome. So back to you. Yeah. So again, we could talk forever. And yeah. I don't like to make these too long because people's attention span isn't sure. that long. They need to meditate. So, so what? 
Oh, oh I was going to ask you about your four permissions. Um, oh, sure. Well, okay, with the idea of the four permissions, what advice or what, what would you say to our people out there who are new entrepreneurs or struggling right now entrepreneurs or desiring to be desiring for change desiring to be more creative yeah i'd say what we learn over and over on any spiritual or personal development path is that it starts inside you it's an inside job mm. and so the chill has to come first you know you can't listen to everyone else and compare yourself to everyone else on social media. It's just the path of misery. And um, somebody said, uh, which always stuck with me, uh, comparison is an addiction to losing. Oh, ooh. Right, wow. and we all do it. Like I'll slip into it at any given time of the day. We look at the numbers of likes and blah, blah, blah. So I would say chill first to understand who you are and what you're working and, and also remind yourself who you are. I mean, you're a powerful being that incarnated for a reason. So to, to be still and to know that, I mean, it's in scripture, be still and, and know that I am God. Um, and then permission to feel all the feels. It's the one I grapple with the most, which is to express yourself authentically and be with your own pain and be with the pain of others. Um, we're seeing that all over the place in, in our racial relations or not relations at the moment. And um, the bravery it takes to be with your own pain and to share that with others in an authentic way, um, it just lets more of the light in, you know? And um, that's a, another part of the inside work. And all of it's in service of your full expression, you know? Your, your expression is going to happen one way or another you might as well be authentic and um, joyful in it, you know, because yeah. it's, I, we know plenty of miserable rich people. That's not the goal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the goal, the goal is to, and, and, and I've, I've been hired by plenty of people who are, you know, profoundly successful, but are, but are for looking for those earlier missing links of how do I love myself? How do I express my pain? How do I be still with myself? So I, I wouldn't cut corners on that. I don't believe in hacking. I don't believe you could hack your way to mastery. I believe that you can pause, be with your feelings, and, and every day do something to express yourself. And as you do that, you'll attract the others who are into the same thing, and that's where you form that grid of light. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, the four permissions in mm. a nutshell. Oh, I just love that. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I mean it's probably 12 years in the making of a lot of trial and error and a lot of, you know, like when I said, it's testimony, it's not theory. It's because I had to prove it out through a lot of painful face plants, public failures, missteps. And um, it's just like, if you look at the, you know, the Bhagavad Gita or you look at the, the path of yoga or the Dharma and Buddhism, all of these truths are in there. Um, similar to the seven habits of highly effective people. I mean, these are all like eternal truths mm -hmm. that need new language. Yes. So yeah. we could even hear them, you know? So um, yeah, it is a lot to take in, but the joy is in the practice of it. You know, like I, the, the book for me is more of just a gateway to encourage people to practice because th there's so much joy and just similar to that writing practice story of finding those moments of giddiness it's what we're after in the meditation and connecting with people through our feelings, you know, connecting with our own feelings and knowing they're real. Yeah. Connection is like a huge word. Well, I mean, that's the biggest lesson this year is, is in a, in a, in a truly disconnected world. We, right. we 
Yeah. We should be disconnected to save ourselves from this pandemic, but people can't get around their own, you know, exceptionalism or whatever. But in this age of disconnection, digital media promises more connection, but it's really disconnection and isolation in comparison, right? So the only true connection is with self and with spirit yeah. and the willingness to pause. So it's ironic that we need, you know, this type of true connection in, in these supposed eras of more connection than ever. Yeah. And you know what I love? I love, I love hearing your story and, you know, how long it takes to develop, develop your own yeah. theories and beliefs. You know, it just doesn't come in a day and it comes with experience. It comes with age. It comes with time. Mm -hmm. And to see the growth and the changes and the expansions and then the possibilities, you know, I mean, just you are just, you know, continue to blossom and unfold and expand and, and it's so beautiful. Oh, geez. Well, thank you for that acknowledgement. You know, I mean, I think when you're 19, I, I remember being 17 and I was in a band and I was like, if, if I'm not signed to a record label by the time I'm 18, I'm going to be an aged out loser, you know? <laughs> and then you blink and like you double that age and you're 36 and you're like, wow, that was crazy. And then, you know, I turned 45 this weekend and- <gasps> Happy birthday! Thanks. Yeah. I was jamming Elvis Costello's song. He has this great song called 45. I um, love him. Oh my God, we're huge, huge, huge fans. And um, I was just kind of reflecting on that whole, like I would never have traded the long, slow climb because I own every single vista up the mountain. You know, I could look down and say like, wow, that's where I was when I figured that out. This is where I was when I figured this out. I mean, we want to cut corners and flip the switch and be that person who launches the book this week or whatever. Um, but I would never do that at the expense of being the guy who wrote it, you know, or, or being the person who lived it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the person, what I, what I ask people to think about, and this is a great question for your listeners is, is think of who you want to be to produce that dream. You know, you get, it's so easy to get caught up in the, how do I do it? And what do I need to do and make the to-do list and tactical, whatever, or, you know, buy the BS seven steps to do the thing. But the being journey is what we're all after. Mm -hmm. Who do I get to become? And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful ride in that respect. It is a beautiful ride. Every day is the best day of my life. <laughs> See, we all need to hang out with you more often. I mean. Well, come on over. <laughs> I can't remember. Do you have, are you somebody's like fairy godmother or auntie or do you have kids? I can't remember if you have family. No kids. I have my I have my nieces and nephews, but you know, so many of my students and my certified teachers—they're all my children. I have children oh, all over sure. the globe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for they sure. They call I me Mama P. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, oh. now it's actually Grandma P because now they're <laughs> developing their tribes, and yeah, you know, it's just been going on for thirty years. I mean, you got to be your nieces and nephews' favorite aunt, no doubt. I mean, <laughs> you are like the fairy godmother. <laughs> so like, good. All right. Well. Thank you so much for spending time with me. My pleasure. It's so been glad we finally got connected to do this. And thank you everybody out there in our heart and hustle land. I'm so glad that we got to share this conversation with you. I'm so glad you got to meet Casey. And so I'll give you all his links and everything, but go do his meditation. Go, you know, grab that man. <laughs> Always happy to help. Yeah. And you guys, uh, many blessings to you. And until we meet again. I will see you 
shortly.